Hi, it's Rabbi Jimmy Golf. I want to thank you so much for joining me. This week, past week, was uh, Shabbat Vayishlach, the Torah portion where Jacob first sends angels to meet his brother Esau, and then other things begin to happen as he returns to the land of Canaan. Well, as we were going through this particular uh, Torah portion, it happened to coincide with another huge media event, and they have a strange connection to each other. And we'll talk about that more as we get into the sermon for this week. You can always email me at rav, as in Victor, jim at aol.com, or you can always call me at 610-624-3441. I would look forward to hearing from you. Shalom. So, it has begun. The first half of the final book of the series that has caused more kids to read than almost any other book series in the history of publishing. The last Harry Potter movie opened this past morning, and those who are crazed by the fad flocked to the theaters last night at 12 o'clock to watch it. As I have watched these movies over the course of the last decade, it hit me this week that there's something about each of the characters that stands out in the book. Harry is an orphan, with a scar that causes him pain when you-know-who is around. Ron comes from a poor family. Hermione is muggle-born, meaning she is a witch from a non-magical family. Longbottom is tall and a bit of a klutz. And Luna Lovegood is a is somewhat of a walking ditz who walks in her own wisdom that does make sense to her and sometimes to others too. If you think about it, each one of them is imperfect in some way that makes them who they are in the saga that is this story. I was thinking about this in a week where we read about another imperfect hero, Jacob. As our last patriarch returns from living in Haran, he is alone at night, attempting to avoid the possibly deadly encounter with his brother Esau. He abandons his, both of his camps where his wives and families are stationed. He goes to a place where he is alone in the middle of the night, and yet he is not alone. He finds himself in a fight with an Ish who wrestles with him until the dawn is about to break. Jacob has the creature pinned, and in one last attempt, it tries to free itself and moves and hurts Jacob's leg. The creature demands that Jacob release him, but Jacob will not do so until his opponent bestows a blessing upon the wounded patriarch. The creature now states that Jacob has earned the name Israel. As the Torah states, Thy name shall no longer shall be no more Jacob, but Israel, for thou hast striven with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Important. In this story, Jacob has only achieved the ability to be blessed after he is wounded. The ability to be wounded and blessed seems at best at odds for us, and at worst the suggestion of a cruel joke. If we are blessed, 
Is not everything supposed to be wonderful and great and fantastic? Should it not feel as if we've won the lottery, have the perfect marriage, home and family, and all should be well? Yet if we think about Jacob, he has not one but four marriages. He is missing any sense of home, having been on the run twice in his life. And as the Torah portion progresses, we will see a series of events in his family that would be problematic in any family. Still, he is blessed by both this divine creature and his father Isaac. Yet, in each of these episodes, the encounter wounds him and makes him more vulnerable to Esau and what his brother is capable of doing to him, first by the anger of Esau when he steals the birthright, and now physically by Esau because he can no longer run away. This week, as I studied, it hit me that Jacob is not just wounded in this story. Jacob has to be wounded. Jacob, who has run away from conflict and pain his entire life. Jacob, who has schemed and calculated how to cheat others throughout his history, has finally run out of options. And his wound, while potentially fatal, is that which makes him capable of being human and perceiving the human in others. The man who has played on the deficiencies of others throughout his life now must come to terms with who he is and the new limp that he carries. He, Jacob, would have used such frailty against others. He now must confront that frailty in himself. How he addresses the world now will have to be different because he is changed. And we might agree that he has changed for the better at this point. At least as he goes forward, he is worried about the responsibility side of the world and is no longer scheming at every turn. He is concerned with his reputation and about how his kids act in the world. Jacob becomes Israel, and the conniving boy begins to emerge into being an adult, but without the wound at that moment. This transformation may well not occur. This brings us to the question, what about our wounds and the transformation they are supposed to cause within us? Do we try to mask our wounds and hide from them? Or do we seek the ability to, where possible, embrace the reality they cause us to face and begin to grow a different understanding of ourselves because we are changed by something over which we may have little or no control. Now this just doesn't apply to humans. It also applies to societies. And I was going back to another issue I've spoken about before here on this podcast, that uh, earlier this month we, we had a challenge that should strike us as both difficult, if not outright non-Jewish. It was reported in Ynet News from Israel. Quote, A few months after the publication of a rabbi's petition calling to avoid renting apartments in Tel Aviv to African immigrants, rabbis in B'nai Barak issued a similar halachic ruling Monday prohibiting residents to rent out apartments in the religious city and its surroundings to African refugees and illegal immigrants at large. 
According to the halachic ruling signed by six leading rabbis from the city's Haredi sector, quote, this appeal is against a horrible act of lawlessness by which apartment owners rent their property to illegal immigrants, etc. This phenomenon has grown into gigantic proportions, and nowadays the situation is intolerable, unquote. It read. Now, I, I thought that sounded familiar and decided I wanted to see if such language has ever been applied to the Jewish community. I searched and found that such language was to be found in 1938 regarding the Wiener family in Berlin with the title Only for Aryans. In 1938, Liza was forced to leave her flat in Berlin because the landlord refused to rent to Jews months before the corresponding law was passed. On my door is a bumper sticker, which I hung there a couple years ago. It reads, You shall love the stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. As opposed to rabbis in Israel trying to deny our sacred heritage and the Torah, what would happen if we embraced people from different backgrounds and their children and stopped acting like Egyptians. The challenge for us as Jews, and even more for the state of Israel, a country that puts itself forth as a Jewish country, is to be Jews and not Egyptians. But that would mean we would need to embrace our failing, like the fact that immigrants are in Israel because no one else will do the dirty work. It would mean that we are not going to continue to view the world as if we were living in 18th century Poland. It would mean calling ourselves to acknowledge that we too have limps and wounds as a society and the need for this immigrant cheap labor that we can so easily discriminate against. That's a social limp. You know, we can be a blessing and be blessed at the same time. This is the challenge for Israel as a society, as well as for us as Americans regarding our own immigration issues. We also deal with the wound, failing, disgrace of needing immigrant labor because we have decided that there are jobs that are not worth doing as Americans. Yet once a people can't come to this country, they have lives beyond their work. They have families. They try to raise children. If their only value to us as a country is their labor, their work. Sounds a bit Egyptian, wouldn't you say? The lesson about Jacob for you and me, it's the question, is how comfortable are we with our limps in our lives? There is not a person who does not have some wound, some limp within them. And the person who claims the loudest that they are perfect... Well, <laughs> it is often too readily apparent that this is an image purchased at a price, often that of the truth. As is the case with the story of Jacob and that of Harry Potter, it is the wounds that we carry and how we interpret these, how they cause us to see the world differently, that makes us who we are and allows us to see who we might become. Our limping stops us 
permits us to tarry for a while longer than we would like. And we have the decision to be angry at the world we will not have, or ask, what might we gain due to our different perspective on the world? If Jacob had believed that his limp was life-ending, then it would have ended our story too. Our challenge as his descendants are to live as he did, with a wound that forced new ways of approaching the world with a limp that could actually lead us to blessing. Shalom.